Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Good afternoon, Sue Eliana. Thank you for being here. Good afternoon, Rabbi Abdullah. It's great to be back in person. Uh, yeah, it's time. And good afternoon, Sarah. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, I, I guess it's good afternoon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> as, as some people say, night, morning, afternoon depends on your energy, regardless of the time of the day. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I don't know, but let's try it. So, um, maybe before we got into this discussion of getting back into normal life, and a few of the people I spoke to and told them what the beginning show, because it was a question, what would be the first show after lockdown? And I think out of all the people that I've told them what I'm going to be discussing about, all the moms were like, yay, this is what we <laughs> need to talk about. So, I, I don't know about other people, but let's start with the moms. So, maybe before the, I start asking questions, um, I'll start with you, Sarah. Maybe just share a bit about your vision, your thoughts about your profession, and we'll go from there. All right, sure. So I don't know how much of a background Eliana gave you, um, but I, my background is well, actually... The listeners don't know. So, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> so I'm starting from scratch. Uh, my background is as a, a CrossFit coach. Um, my favorite sport growing up was sitting on the couch with a really good book. Last kid chosen for any team. You couldn't pay me to go to the gym. And when I was moving, I'm originally from Toronto. So when I was moving from Toronto to California, figured good idea to incorporate some sort of movement into my life, tried CrossFit, fell in love. And I don't know if you're familiar with CrossFit, but it's kind of like CrossFitters are kind of like people who are vegan. If if they do it, you know it. Um, and so I was very much a part of that. Like, I talked about CrossFit all the time. And I realized that no one wanted to hear what I had to say. Okay. Um, and it was it was really just because no, fitness wasn't prioritized in our community. And I said, I'm going to make a change. So I became a trainer. Um, and that journey actually led me to what I do now, which is no longer fitness coaching, but I help single women who are struggling with weight stigma and body image, um, through the dating process. So you went from an extreme of biggest enjoyment of sitting on the couch, reading a book, which would probably be a phone if you were growing up today to, <laughs> um, keep on going into fitness, uh, extreme. And now you're back at the time be who you are and be comfortable with it? Um, I wouldn't, yes to the first part. Regarding the second part, I personally still do CrossFit. I love it. I recommend people find a movement that they enjoy and pursue that as a form of um, fitness because it feels good and because it has so many amazing benefits. My The reason I made that shift was I noticed that a lot of people or most of the people who were coming to me were coming because they wanted to lose weight. And I never saw fitness about as, as a goal to, to weight loss. And as I understood more the world of health at every size and intuitive eating and the body positive movement, I realized that I could, I could have an impact in a different way. And it, because I was, I actually just got married two months ago. So the name that I gave you in my bio is not my name anymore. Um, it's Sarah Zoldan. But being okay. on the dating scene, in the from dating scene for 10 years and constantly being rejected due to my size and constantly being told that I needed to lose weight for Shadokim, 
kind of my passion took me in that direction. Okay. So, um, in when, when you discuss this whole period of lockdown, obviously threw everybody off track completely. For sure. And uh, everyone around you. So we'll get to that um, shortly. I just, before I introduce you, Dan, I just have one question to ask you. All the people that come to you for training, mm-hmm. for help, for whatever it is, how many, how many would you say are interested in their health and how many care about books? It's an, it's a hard question because on a surface level, I would say all of them care about their looks. Um, or at least 95% of them. I think once we dig down the reason why they care about their looks very often gets chalked up to emotional and mental health. And I think that's a huge part of overall health. So it's kind of, kind of both, whether they realize it or not. Okay. So now, um, Eliana, you've been on the show before and inspired many moms to for healthy food, let them eat. just put it on the table and let the kids eat what there is. Give me a bit of, of, of your history with lockdown and what has been happening. You're on the South African side. So it was really interesting. Um, you know, on social media, I was seeing that all the moms, you know, in the Facebook groups I was on and the WhatsApp, you know, the jokes and the memes and everyone was like, my kids are eating the whole day and what can I do? And I'm like a 24-7 restaurant. And without, you know, being judgmental or anything, I didn't actually find that in my house because we have a very set structure and relationship with food in our house. So it was very difficult actually feeding my kids and, you know, actually giving them enough food. But in terms of the relationship with food, I realized that having a structure and a positive relationship with food will help you navigate any scenario, whatever life throws at you. So we ate way more, quote, unquote, Sarah, don't kill me here, junk food. And I gave myself a lot of compassion. <laughs> You know, there was sometimes OT's breakfast, lunch, and supper, and I gave myself a lot of that um, space just to, like, survive. But in terms of, um, you know, a relationship with food, what I think I really learned is that if you have an overarching healthy relationship with food and your body, you can survive any scenario. So even for the last six months, maybe we didn't eat as we wanted to eat. It wasn't with judgment or there was no guilt or there's no criticism. It was like, this was a really hard time. It doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. It doesn't mean my kids are bad kids. You know, it was just hard. And there's a huge amount of compassion in the health of every size world and intuitive eating world. And it's very realistic. And I think that's what, what I learned. There's so much pressure moms put on themselves, on their kids around food, so much anxiety they put on around um, with food. And if we can kind of fix our hashkafa or how we look at things, then we can kind of navigate everything. And it doesn't mean we're going to eat quote-unquote perfectly, and it doesn't mean we're going to move quote-unquote perfectly. It means we'll navigate it in a healthy, long-term way. And I, There's so much I have to yes, comment and ask yes. about that. Um, but we do have to go out for okay. an ad break. So when we come back, we'll continue. But you're talking about, you're saying that you didn't have uh, eating in your home boredom. I watched so many of my kids eating because they were bored and because they didn't have what to do. Or going to food and we say OT's breakfast, um, breakfast, lunch, and supper. I know places mothers complaining to me that it was pretty much in one hour, breakfast, lunch, and supper. So we need to kind of see how that works. But we will take a short ad break, and when we come back, we'll dive a bit more into the topic. One hundred one point nine High FM High Chem Chorabeji. We will be right back. High FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. 101.9 We are back in a very interesting discussion with 
Sarah, um, remind me, you just got married two months ago. Zoldin. <laughs> Zoldin. And Eliana Klein. Uh, Sarah Zoldin's from uh, America, United States, originally Toronto, and Eliana's from here. And we're discussing going back to normal life and how we dealt with eating and overweight and kind of normal, healthy habits within the life we're back into. And before we continue, obviously, 34519 is the SMS line if you want to join, want to ask any question you'd like to ask, to ask Sarah or Indiana, go ahead, send the message. 34519 is the SMS line or Telegram, 061-895-1019. That's from anywhere in the world. It's 061-895-1019. So I, I'll go back to you, Indiana, because right when we were talking in the break, you were d- describing that You've been, worked for five years to create structure around eating in your home. And then during lifetime, everything crumbled down. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, there were benefits from the five years work um, of your kids uh, having a healthier relationship with food. However, how do you, are you going to try not to go back to what happened before? Are you, have you changed your approach? What is your way of looking into recreating healthy habits? So, um, when you say crumble down, it's not really accurate. <laughs> More than kind of, it was very like, um, hectic. And a lot of the structures I had in place in terms of schedule and my kids going to school and food planning kind of fell apart. But we haven't really lost anything. Basically the viewpoint Sarah and I both share is that your ability to eat when you're hungry mostly and stop when you're full is a natural inherent birthright. And the adult version of kind of giving people back that once that's been taken away from them is called intuitive eating. And the work which I'm really passionate about is just preserving that in children called DRR, which is a very structured approach. And the more I did my job as a parent, which was provide food at regular meals without judgment, without guilt, um, provide a positive environment, encourage my kids to sit at the table. As soon as I got back into that, everything kind of fell back into place. So it's very much about the parent's responsibility not about talking a lot, but about doing a lot. So, so that's very interesting. If you're discussing about habit giving to kids, yeah. well, Star is working more, more with adults. And it's probably kids that are coming with, I don't want to say bad habits. I mean, she definitely yeah. won't say that about her clients, but people with some habits that should be changed per se. Well, well, maybe let's jump into that because Sarah, when you, you know, you see adults, there are, mm-hmm. Yes. But they all were children once, and they were all told something about their body and food, right, to try yes. to get them to fix their habit. What, how do you see the, you know, 10, 15, 20 years repercussions of that coming from the best intentions? Can you walk us through, you know, you see the end product of a five-year-old who was a bit chubby, you know, and you see that 20 years later. Tell us the story of what happens in the home and why trying to encourage those healthy habits are often so is often so destructive. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm I'm often amazed to see how strong an impression parents, the words that parents use make. And and it should be such an obvious thing because parents are everything at that young age. But I can tell you that my clients who are 25, my clients who are 31, my clients who are 46 are all coming to me with my father, my mother, told me when I was a kid that I was too big, that I was too fat, that essentially I was taking up too much space. 
And kids equate that with love, especially at that age. So when a parent tells a five-year-old that they need to stop eating or they can't have the snacks that their friends are having or whatever it is, because they're a different size than their peers or different size than their siblings, the message that they walk away with is that I'm not lovable enough, I'm not worthy enough because there's something wrong with me and that something wrong with me is my size and my weight. And I'm amazed, yeah. Because today I actually think we're facing a much greater challenge and a much bigger challenge because what I'm seeing in my practice very often is that parents are aware and they don't use that language anymore and they do give respect and space to their kids. Where I'm seeing the strain is from grandparents. And that in my eyes is much worse because, and because grandparents are the ones that always love their grandchildren unconditionally. And suddenly parents today are learning how to give the skills to their kids. And then the grandfather, usually, but sometimes the grandmother will come in and say, oh, sweetie, do you want to go for a walk? Because if we take a walk around the black for five miles and you don't eat that sweet, you'll have so many more friends. And then the child is destroyed. How would you balance that dynamic? And I'm so I just want to, I just want to jump in here. I think what you're saying is so valid because when I do kind of my intake questionnaire, often I, I ask in detail about the extended family and there have been a number of scenarios where I've actually worked um, with the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles to try to get, once the parents are on board of this weight neutral approach, to get them on board to see not only that it's not the right thing to do, the very thing which you're so afraid of, you're afraid of your child being bullied, of having a low self-esteem, of not being confident, you will create that by making an issue about their weight. So we kind of spoke about health, right? Overall health and overall well-being. And Sarah tries to kind of restore the emotional health and the physical health. But she can tell you and I can tell you is that by trying to force health in this way, you can pretty guarantee a lack of health in this area. So, Sarah, maybe you could tell us what are the um, behaviors you know, there's that five-year-old who's told they're too big. What are the actual eating behaviors, the movement behaviors? How does that person learn to relate to their body then? Does it make them healthier? Or what else happens in that 20-year process? I mean, essentially what I'm the, – the, the message that I'm cleaning up is that lack of self-worth, that's a direct result of the message that your body is not good enough. And there's a worthiness factor there. Um, that comes into play. And so remind me what your question was. How does that actually, you know, we kind of spoke about health. How do these okay. negative messages actually impact the choices people make around self-care, nutrition, exercise, you know, all those things which are part of health? Right. Um, I think it becomes less about those habits of health and more about that intentional pursuit of weight loss for the sole purpose of making those around them more comfortable with how they look and the space that they take up. So instead of nutrition being about how do I nourish my body in the best possible way so that I can function in an optimal way, it becomes how can I eat in a way that will result in weight loss? And instead of movement being how can I move in a way that feels good to me, brings joy into my life, and has the amazing physical and emotional benefit, it becomes, how can I move in a way that will result in weight loss? So what would be the recommendation? Can we know what not to do? What would you to say? 
a mother comes back from Simchastara. She sees that her child is with about five kilograms <laughs> of sweets and other food. What this should she do? This is exactly where I hand the parents off to Eliana. <laughs> this is not my forte, and I don't pretend to to know it. So, Eliana, what do you tell? So, them? so the the important thing to notice, and this is what I kind of sometimes parents take a hard look in the mirror and they say, you know, my child is so lazy and they don't like exercise, and all they want to do is play in front of the computer and the iPad. And I say to them, well, do you have a child who's skinnier who does things like that? Yes. Do you worry about their health as much as you worry about your bigger child's health? And it's a really uncomfortable question. And the question is often, no, you get much more leeway when you are naturally skinny. And the message which I want to teach them is movement is good for everybody. All your kids need to be doing exercise just for the amazing health benefits, incorporating it in a joyful way. All your kids need to be exposed to healthy or nutritious or nutrient-dense food in a positive way for the health benefits. What we look at is we look at weight and we see weight equals problem fixed as opposed to looking at the underlying causes. You know, you can have a kid and when you say to me, what do we do about the junk food and, you know, the Simchas Torah, if I told you what my children ate on Simchas Torah, I could actually still shake. I tell you it wasn't easy. <laughs> but really it's about a whole picture and it's about a whole relationship with food and giving them the tools to navigate Simchas Torah, giving them the tools to navigate the Kiddush, giving them the tools to navigate the world of food when you aren't there. And often it becomes about control and fear and every parent wants the best for their child. And what the other kind of question which I ask them, which is a little bit also hard for parents to kind of accept, is I say to them, you don't want your child to be bullied. A lot of it is I don't want my child to be bullied. I really see my child is, you know, being called fat and being called chubby and, you know, they're losing confidence. And I tell them, is it possible that you could have two children who both are larger or fatter than their peers and one is teased and one isn't? Have I gotten, is that possible? Definitely. Now, why, as an expert in chinuch, is that, why does that happen? If, if being fatter makes equals being teased, why does that mean that, that you'll have two kids in the same class, both are bigger, one is teased, one isn't? There obviously could be many reasons. Yes. And, and we see about the appearance, about the parents, about the way they deal with it, about the way they take responsibility. Um, there's, there's a whole list of things that can be or, or need to be addressed in that area. Uh, definitely, because if I'll comment on something Sarah said before, um, I, I also I work with people in all ages. And sometimes I would tell, uh, it doesn't have to be about weight. It could be about anything mm. that a person in his mm. 30s, 40s, 80s would come to me and say, well, well you know, when I uh, um, was a child, this is what my parents did, or this is this. And I usually tell them, you know, up to age 16, I'm happy to hear that. Sometimes 18, <laughs> even 25, if you really want to push it. But but how many years are we going to go? And I think that's also to do with the boom. There's there's something about the nature of standing up and taking responsibility and dealing with it. So um, obviously the bullying is not just about the, the weight. And it's actually even worse in my eyes because many times if a parent will just say, oh, it's probably because of the weight, not only they'll miss the, the real reason, they'll create a new reason for bullying and they'll, they'll actually create chaos. So that, that is, makes it much worse. The question is, what can they do? What can they do? Okay. Sarah, let's do this together. What can they do? What do you wish, you know, you were told when you were a child? I can tell you really honestly, I'm super blessed and super grateful. I never got that messaging from my parents. 
Uh, I did get it from other family members. I did get it from a lot of people outside of me, but I never got the message. My, my mother, um, definitely tried to incorporate healthy habits because she was told by my doctor that I was, you know, too big. Um, but it was never, it was always about health for her. And I think from all of my peers, mothers, like she was, she's definitely an exception. So I thank God grew up with a healthy self-esteem and a healthy self-confidence. And it, it really, it just, there weren't, there just, for me personally, there were no comments about the fact that my weight in any way, shape or form represented who I was as a person or my worth as a person. Um, thinking back now, I was actually never bullied for my weight, which I'm honestly, I never thought about this before, but I'm, I'm pretty shocked as a kid in elementary school. I was never bullied for that. I think it's, it's more a matter of what not to do than what to do. I don't know. So, so I just want to jump in here. What you're saying, I think is so important. And this is what the research shows around it is that the kids who get bullied about their weight, it's not because of their weight. It's because, um, there is a, not a, what a child needs most, obviously you're the expert in this, is unconditional acceptance of who they are. And when a parent doesn't accept a child for any reason, but weight is the most, you know, um, it comes across so often at every meal, the little looks, the little comments, the little, you know, it comes across. And even without saying a word, the kid picks up on the fact that they are not acceptable and they're not okay. And that breeds so much, you know, um, lack of confidence. And often the parents um, pick up on the, sorry, the peers pick up on that. And obviously it's much more complex and everything. But the way to make your child, like Sarah is an amazing example. Her parents were the exception. And she was kind of bully-proof, right? She theoretically could have been bullied a lot. She was bigger than her peers, but her parents gave her such an unconditional acceptance of who she was is that she carried that with her, and that's very rare. So often, as I said, the parents are the cause, the problem they so much want to avoid. They don't want their kids to be bullied, so they try and fix them, and they pretty much guarantee that this child feels so um, unloved and unaccepted and that just like sets of a whole spiral of the self-esteem and everything. So it's really like a conundrum. So what can we do? I, can I just, can, can I jump in and say something really quickly? Yes. I think I, I want to make a point to mention that I know that no parent does this intentionally because Eliana, you made a comment about the child feeling unloved as a result of that. Parents love their children, which is why they make those comments. I just think it's important to realize how harmful those comments are. And even though a parent might feel like it's coming from a place of love, the result is that that child feels that lack of love. Sorry, just one question. It always comes from so much love and just um, a lack of knowledge. Definitely. And I think I'm going to use a very harsh word. Many times I see with parents a lack of honesty. And I'll explain what I mean, lack of honesty. I could ask, uh, um, I could chat with a mom and ask her about, like, how she's dealing with her child. And then I'll, I'll ask her a question like, I want you to be fully honest with me. If your child is eating five pieces of cake alone in the kitchen and you see it, or if your child that's overweight is eating five pieces of cake at a wedding sitting in the main table when everybody's looking at her with the video, is your reaction the same? Do you feel the same thing? And many times it's, it's a, it's a question that brings a lot of parents into tears because they suddenly realize that they are embarrassed and they are 
enforcing it on their children and creating a problem. So the first thing I think to deal with it is, A, be honest with yourself. What bothers you and how are you going to deal with it? The second thing is you must, you must, you must approach it in the same way in private and in public. If you decide that this is how you're approaching your child's weight, then whatever it is, don't do it in public and ignore it at home because then the child will get the sense of um, I'm embarrassing my parents. And child children are very sensitive to that. And that's probably one of the worst things a child can in, right. and, experience. And even if your parent doesn't say a word, but they feel that embarrassment about their child's appearance or about anything about them, is that child gets it and that causes the damage they don't want to cause. And being honest is the hardest thing. I mean, I've had parents say to me, like, I wonder, and they're so honest. They're so amazing in their honesty. They say, like, what do people think of me? They feel judged. They feel like a failure. They feel like people are judging them. Because weight is not just a neutral thing anymore. It's a it's a sign of your success. You know, if you have a skinny child, then you're doing well. If you have a child who does well academically, it's a, it's a sign of you. And all parents and all people in this world are a victim of a 70 billion rand diet culture, which values SARS at any cost. And it's not their fault, and it's not. You know, they just um looking at the world through one pair of glasses. And my journey with them is to help them start looking at the world through another set of glasses and to trust me. And the changes they see, it's like a different child. They tell me that my child couldn't stop eating. My child didn't have an off button. And then you'll have the child who eats two pieces of pizza and chucks out the rest. But normally they would just sit there and put in three whole pizza pies themselves. And it's just really like a, it's a, it's a astonishing thing when you give them back their birthrights. And it's it's not easy for parents to be honest with themselves, and um, it's not an easy journey. But if you can be honest with yourself and get the help you need and get the right advice, so you can be honest with yourself, and then you like take them to dietitian because they're not healthy. You really are going to go down the wrong track, and a lot of other advice, unfortunately, there does make it a million times worse. So I, I'd love to hear what the community and what the listeners have to say or comment on. What are your thoughts about this as a parent? Please share with us three four five one nine is the SMS line. Or you can call us and tele- uh, send a message or telegram us, 061-895-1019, 061-895-1019, or send us an SMS at 34519. What can we do in order to give our kids confidence and healthy habits? We do need to take another ad break. However, when we come back, I'd like to discuss what can we do on a practical level into our habits. And i got to say that there are simple things that are so far from our society. And me and my wife, I try not to bring my personal life in, but we have decided that after we're locked down, one of my daughters who learns in school about 20-minute walk from my house, uh, every day to school, one of us walked her to school and we walked back. And it was just for health reasons and for us and for our kids. I mean, my kids uh, have my genes. That's why they, it's good for them. And um, I got to say that every other person that was driving in the street stopped and made sure we're okay. Do you need a ride? Do you need a, do you need something? I'm like, we're walking. No, come on, don't be embarrassed. I'm saying, no, we're walking. What is it, COVID you're nervous about? No, we're walking. Seriously, what happened to your car? No, we're walking. And people didn't get it. And then eventually people say, you know, I see you every day, so I stopped stopping, but it's weird and whatever. So as a society, simple things we just don't get. And what, are, and when we come back from the break, I'd love to hear from the listeners and from you professionals, what can we start implementing in our homes? in a normal, not uh, exciting way, just a simple way to get our healthy habits. 101.9 Chai FM, 
Chai with Rabbi G. We will be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back in a very interesting discussion with Eliana Klein from South Africa and Sarah Zolden, Zolden from the uh, United States and discussing about getting healthy habits into life. If it's about movement, exercise, eating uh, for kids, for adults, what do we need to do to get back into our healthy routines, or maybe not get back into our healthy routines, maybe start new healthy routines. Maybe this is the time to say, well, you know, I wasn't um, a world champion fitness person before lockdown, but maybe now is a good time to start, or there always is a good time. So on a practical level, what do we need to do? And I know we are running out of time already. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. But I also want to hear from Sarah because that's a lot of what you do is about acceptance of who you are and how you are and being uh, um, a human that could look in the mirror and like themselves, although maybe they are questioning how society looks at them. And at the same time, um, I would, I believe, and this is my first tip for this part, is that when a, when somebody can feel comfortable with their body and, and feel comfortable with the, the way they appear and comfortable with their physical uh, condition, they have much more ability and capacity to actually do something about their weight because they're not stressed. They're not worried and they're not nervous. And, you know, as I, as I tell parents and then I'll let you hand over to you, as I tell parents many times, it, you don't need to decide right now. It, it, sometimes they'll be, but, but she was about to eat this massive sweet. And I'm like, so what? Big deal. So she'll eat that massive sweet and you'll start the discussion when you're calm in two days. You're not going to lose anything by waiting another day or two, even if you feel like today is, this is the sweet that will create diabetes and overweight for the rest of your life. You still can wait two days and the damage by rushing into something when you're not sure and you're anxious and you're uh, um, stressed about it, I think the damage will be much greater than actually giving it to time and letting your child eat. My personal thought, um, and let me hand over to Sarah. What would you do on a practical level now that we're stepping out of uh, lockdown? And just, Sarah, as an adult and as a child, well, I mean, as parents and as adults trying to just find our way back. As a parent and an adult, um, well, I'm not a parent, so I'll try to put myself in the in the shoes of one for a second. Um, I would say in terms of eating, definitely working with someone like Eliana or or studying, you know, researching on your own the concepts of DOR, Division of Responsibility, seeing how you could incorporate, start incorporating the, these ideas. Summary of DOR. Pardon? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. Diana will give us a, a brief yeah. summary of DOR. <laughs> okay. okay, so DOR is quite D-O-R. A, the Theta Division of Responsibility is the intuitive eating parallel for children. It's not the same implementation, but it gives the same results, which is an innate ability to be full, um, to nourish yourself, and to enjoy food without guilt. And um, it's just, you know, as a baby was born, and the division of responsibilities is very, very simple. It says the parents decide what to feed, when to feed, and where to feed, and the children decide if to eat and how much to eat. And obviously, that's really our regal achas. Does that mean parents have to have... Um, like a set time for meal? A structure is the backbone of DOR, and often it's not about what children eat, it's about when they eat. And when we do um, an in-depth workshop on DOR, um, which 
is is um it's the structure is the missing ingredient of a healthy relationship and a healthy and healthy habits for adults and for children actually. Okay, so, so that's a very uh, important point. When you're saying, and I've as well, you're saying that knowing when you eat and having a set time for it. So kids don't walk around nervous. I'm going to be starving. They don't walk around starving until they're about to explode. And I could say uh, so many parents from any, from actually that I have phone calls now coming in from Australia, England, the Americas. So I could say now probably it's an international thing. People tell me we can't have guests Friday night. Friday night is a disaster. Now I always say, what did you make for lunch on Friday? Stop. Nothing. At nothing. And after, and they'll say, yeah, you know, after the fish are quite calm. And I'm like, yeah, fine. That's exactly <laughs> the So there are times that we're actually destroying our kids in a way. And Friday kids need to eat. Right. So, so I've actually kind of, there will always be the thing after, you know, Shabbos candles, they get their treat. And we do a big treat and it's covered Shabbos and it's very exciting and they choose it. And it's not anti, um, intuitive eating. Um, but I was, and then, you know, they wouldn't eat supper and it was, you know, always a, a problem. So when I work with families, we come up with very practical solutions to fit in with your lifestyle. What I found works really well with my kids, especially in summer, is at five o'clock, I give them like their Shabbos meal after they bath. And then when they only eat chocolate and dessert at the meal, it's not that I, I mind that they eat that. I know that they nourish and they're not going to be acting up. So they never come to the Shabbos meal starving. And that's what we've worked with our kids and the age kids, which work. So it's a very practical approach, which you tailor based on the principles and the understanding of children's behavior. And also when you are starving, you overeat because you are starving. Right? So I, I, I actually want to ask not about kids at the moment. And let's go to adults because... Um, especially during lockdown, there were, there's a lot of adults in the community that live alone. And without going into everything they went through through lockdown, which was very traumatic, very difficult, very chaotic, um, I, I can't imagine making food for myself. Um, maybe also because I'm a man. But <laughs> besides that, I just feel that many times if a person needs to only look after themselves, they won't. Is it that crucial or... Is it, would you would say if you don't have kids, if you're an adult, you could uh, judge it differently? Uh, I can say that as a woman who hates to cook and therefore married a chef, um, I, I also wouldn't cook for myself. But because health is important to me, I figured out a way that does work for me. So when I was single, I bought out a lot. Um, I would often buy takeout food and they were often healthier, healthful choices um, that kind of broke my bank account. But for me, that was important because I knew I wouldn't do it for myself. Obviously, not everyone has that um, possibility. But I think it's a matter of liter- intentionally taking the time to figure out what can I do? What steps can I take to put my health first? So if that means buying my food, if it means hiring someone to... um to make food for me, if it means, I think this is such an important one, especially when it comes to this pursuit of weight loss. There's, there's always this, what can I take out of my diet? What should I not be eating? What should I, um, hold back on? And instead put the focus on what can I add? Instead of being so worried about taking out the sugary foods or taking out the, the less healthful fatty foods, think about how, what sorts of, um, proteins can I add? What kinds of vegetables can I add? Um, just to take that pressure off. I'm in for that. 
So basically, you're saying that by having structure, uh, you actually people that are very particular about what they'll eat when they'll eat. They're taking, they're putting structure into the day, and they're taking away the the fear and the anxiousness and anxiety about it, and they will actually get into a much healthier position. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Kind of. I mean, uh, this is a full confession on air. Is that I'm really. This is something I'm working on myself. I'm really good at feeding my kids. I mean, my daughter gets like a really great lunch every day and I eat cereal throughout the day. So something I'm really trying to focus on is nourishing myself and giving the same value and self-care to myself that I give to my kids. My kids have like not gourmet meals, but they get like good, healthful, a variety of food. I don't forget to feed them, you know. I mean, sometimes I do, but mostly not. Like I plan what I'm going to feed them for their meals and their snacks. And myself, now that I'm working at home, it's a little easier but I can often forget to, to eat till 12 o'clock. So another thing is to treat yourself okay, as you would treat your kids. Okay. We do have to take another ad break, and when we come back, that will be the final moments of the show. And I guess, yeah, I agree 100% with Daniela. She's saying is what they tell us on the plane. First put a mask on yourself and then on your children, and it will be much safer. 101.9, a short ad break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 FM, we are back and we're actually at the end of this hour. Uh, we probably could have gone on for quite a few more hours, which was good for me. I didn't eat this whole hour. And just to end off, um, maybe instead of going into wrapping up, I would ask uh, each of you to give us one minute of your services, your ideas, and practical things you can uh, add value to people, and how can people be in touch with you and contact you. Um, challenging, I know, sorry, different time zone, but I'm sure you can make a plan. Um, ending up the hour, uh, Sarah, what would you say? Uh, so just an overall reminder, we were all created in the image of God. We are inherently worthy beings just by nature of who we are. Our weight, our size does not define our worth. Um, and as adults, we need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves of that, remind ourselves of that. As parents, we need to um, get that message to our kids. And I can be found on Instagram at find.love.at.any.size or Facebook at Sarah Zoldin. I, again, help single women who are struggling with weight stigma or body image in the dating process believe that they can and will find love at their current size. Happy to uh, chat more with anyone who might be interested. Thank you. Eliana? If there's one Instagram account worth following, it would be Sarah. So do yourself a favor. Her content is so empowering and awesome, and she's walked the journey herself, standing up for 10 years in this really challenging space and it's just she's for sure my favorite person on instagram to follow and me everyone knows uh www.feedingcoach.co.za my website is having a makeover at the moment but if you need help with your kids eating their weight their picky eating their fussy eating um i use an evidence-based program as we call as we spoke about called dor which will literally make you not worry about mealtimes and you just focus on enjoying your kids and all the other challenging things which come with parenting apart from food except that you do have to shop and cook 
I cannot take that away from you. I don't. But thank you. It's been an amazing show. Thank you so much for both of you. I will um forward your Instagram details, Sarah, to um Kathy. I believe she'll put them on the Hyphen uh, website. She has told me the path to a good idea, so I will follow her reading that. And yeah, thank you so much for being with us. Have a good morning and good afternoon to us in Joburg and the rest of the world. 101.9 Another great show has come to an end and we will be back, please God, next week, Monday, 2 to 3. In the meantime, just do something good, stay safe, stay healthy, and make the world a better place.